Diary. Today, I interviewed Robert Bodwin. He's been a mascot since he was in high school. He was clutched for the Houston Rockets and now has his own character, Newton. Take a listen. Alrighty, so how long have you been a mascot? Uh, I've been a mascot my whole adult life. I started my senior year in high school in the suburbs of Philadelphia at Wissahickon High School in 1991. So it's uh, 26 years now and counting. And so what made you realize that you wanted to become a mascot? You know, I think I have a similar story to a lot of people that do this for a living and have gone professional, uh, kind of just fell into it. It's, uh, you know, I always liked the Philly fanatic when I would go to, uh, Philly's games as a kid, I really kind of found baseball boring to watch and I'd always be searching the stands for that big green Muppet thing. And uh, I got a kick out of it, but it's not like I thought about it as a kid or aspired to be it. I wanted to be a, a lawyer or an accountant. And, uh, then I got to high school and the cheerleaders just asked me to do it. Uh, there was no tryouts. They just picked a different uh, goofy senior that was kind of uh, the class clown, but not getting in trouble or detention uh, kind of thing. And uh, they asked me to do it and I jumped at the chance. And then when I got to uh, the University of Delaware, uh, met some cheerleaders again, uh, as fate would have it, the night before a uh, their tryouts and uh, I met them at a dorm function and they said, Oh, you should try out. And I was like, yeah, I did it in high school and went out for the tryouts and got the position at Delaware. And then just a couple of weeks later, they uh, completely rebranded uh, the entire university around this new character they were creating. And uh, I got to be part of the rebrand uh, and see kind of what that looked like from a marketing standpoint and branding standpoint across the board. Uh, and it was an amazing experience. And that's kind of what really turned me on to uh, wanting to do it professionally. When I was at Delaware, we kind of took that UD program uh, to about 250 appearances a year and games and a partial scholarship. And uh, I got to meet some pros and it kind of led from there. I started teaching for UCA uh, as a mascot instructor out in California, Arizona, uh, New Mexico, and Nevada. And I got the audition with the Rockets. Uh, at the end of that summer, uh, at the end of the summer of 95, right after they had won their second championship. Uh, and then I came down here uh, beginning of my senior year at Delaware and uh, finished school at the U of H part-time while I was uh, starting clutch back in 1995. Wow, that's that's amazing. <laughs> just like one thing yeah. led into an- another. I love how all those things work. Like I just love the way things play out like that. It's amazing to hear. Yeah, it's kind of weird, you know. I like to say I went into college to be an accountant, and I came out <laughs> wearing a teddy bear suit. <laughs> uh, you know, I got quote unquote drafted early, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a ride. It was. Uh, I've been very fortunate that pretty much almost all the mascots that I've uh, you know um, portrayed, I got to create, and uh, you know, kind of create the persona and the personality and the antics. Um, and be the first person in those shoes. Uh, so it wasn't like filling somebody else's shoes or uh, singing somebody else's song, so to speak. I was getting to kind of write my own song and then sing it. It's been a great experience. So uh, you talked about, you know, building up these characters. And I've I've seen the videos and I've seen the sense that, that you've done as, as Clutch. And I was wondering, 
what was or maybe you have a few i don't know what was the most dangerous thing that you feel that you've ever done in the suit hmm. um some people might think it was jumping off the olympic uh highest platform but it wasn't that was pretty pretty safe we had undone the chin strap and uh, if you saw the raw footage it was pretty funny when i hit the water and this is jumping from whatever it is and it's 40 feet or 35 feet or whatever it is in feet, uh, the 10 meter board and, uh, or platform. And, uh, when I hit the water, uh, the head popped off like a bottle cap and just shot about 10 feet in the air. And I had two life vests on and I resurfaced, but, uh, actually I think probably the most dangerous, uh, was the rollerblade ramp slingshot dunk. Uh, that we would do where, you know, you get shot down the court by this giant three-man slingshot on rollerblades. And uh, there's not a lot of margin for error there. If you lean too far back, you know, you're going to gainer it. And I've hurt my neck doing it uh, accidentally that way. And uh, if you're too far forward and too much adrenaline, you're going to crash into the rim. And if you go right or left, you're going to crash into the fans. So uh, there's a... a lot of precision involved in that one and a lot of practice. Oh my gosh. And so I have just been dying to get someone that performed these crazy insane stunts because I mm-hmm. like I don't know, I'm afraid of heights like even so stairs going mm-hmm. up and down stairs is like hard for me. <laughs> and so what was what did it take for the training to go into those stunts and can you give a little bit of advice to other people that um are trying to pursue, pursue mascotting and maybe trying those dangerous stunts? Uh, yeah, practice, practice, practice. It's the old adage of how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Um, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta really work up to some of these things. I think sometimes younger performers see some of the older experienced, uh, seasoned veterans do something and they think that, Oh, okay. You just go out and do that. When in fact, that's not the case. I mean, when I started with the Rockets, I was 21 years old and, uh, I had the advantage uh, and the privilege of working with arguably the best acro dunker uh, that the league's ever seen with Turbo, Jerry Burrell. And uh, he would do stuff that would just boggle my mind. His uh, athletic prowess was amazing. What you don't realize is for every you know one dunk you see him do in a game, it represents hours upon hours of practice. Uh, and for stunts that other you know costumed larger characters do, uh, you know, we would do one stunt where I'd stand uh, on the third level of a pyramid on top of the cheerleaders back, uh, two female cheerleaders backs. And, uh, you know, I'd be, I don't know, probably topping out at around 16, 17 feet uh, at that point, uh, you know, in the air. And, uh, you know, that didn't just happen. That happened from hours of practice and you know, doing it out of costume and then doing it with just the shoes and then doing it with the shoes and the body and then everything but the uh, head and then then finally the whole thing. So um, you got to kind of, you know, like the rollerblade ramp. Man, I practiced that, I think, 15 hours before I ever attempted it in a game even once. So, you know, I would just encourage them to, uh, you know, rehearse and practice things that can be dangerous or you're unsure of. Uh, but then at the same time, there's parts of the job that you don't want to rehearse because then it makes it unauthentic. And, uh, you know, you want to have that spark of uh, improv and, uh, you know, in the moment. So, uh, you know, 
that's kind of the work in the crowd part, which is, which is my favorite part. So, I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of things get thrown at you. It's different in each sport. Um, you know, and then fitting into the flow of the game is another thing. You're there to, uh, you know, compliment the game, not distract from it. So, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into to getting it right. And even some of the seasoned pros still mess up at times. And I think that's just amazing how much time goes into, you know, anything that you do and that you're passionate about. And I don't, pe- I don't think a lot of people realize that. And I, and th- that's why I said, like, that's why I'm here, you know, to get behind the story mm-hmm. and, you know, to get advice, you know, from, from people, uh, for people that want to become mascots. And so how do you deal with the unsupervised children, the crazy teens, the drunks, and maybe the ladies, the crazy ladies out there? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good question. You know, I always had the uh, advantage um, pretty early on in my career. Um, with the Rockets, I made it very, I was very adamant that I needed a full-time assistant. Uh, and very adamant that I needed somebody with me at all times. So even before I got a, a full-time assistant, I always had uh, somebody with me, whether they're part-time or not. Um, it works out better when they're full-time because they're uh, a lot more attuned to your performance and, uh, you know, know what to expect and can interact with you both as a bodyguard slash roadie slash interpreter slash assistant slash sidekick. Uh, and I had the same one, um, for over 15 years. Um, you know, and we had worked in tandem and often joked that we were in each other's presence, uh, more awake than we were with our own lives. So, uh, the advantage of that was, uh, you know, she would head off all of those things uh, before they became a problem for me most of the times. Uh, and if I ever did have, you know, a problem with somebody that had too much to drink or a pesky little kid that wanted to just hit and punch, uh, I would just kind of give him a look, you know, or a hand motion, and he would take care of it. But you had to be patient, you know, regardless of what the customer or the fan is doing, right or wrong. If you lose your temper... Uh, I think we've seen in the media recently with Mr. Met, you know, and only everybody has a camera these days. So if you you lose your cool and it's caught on tape, it can cost you your job. That's a very valid point. And I was just wondering, you've been in the game for so long and well, you're retired now, but I mean, you're still mascotting. I want to talk about that uh, really soon, but do you see the, like, can you describe the differences maybe in, like, is there, in, in, is it more competitive? Mascotting over the years? Yeah, with technology or, or and with just, like, trying to find a job. Do you feel like it's more competitive now? Um, I think it's always been pretty competitive. It seems like every time a, a job opening comes open, there's, you know, 40 or 50 people that go out for it. Some of them qualified uh, with costume experience and college experience or gymnastics experience. And some of them that, quite frankly, aren't qualified that just have, uh, you know, uh, the super fan uh, type people of the team and aren't really thinking about the craft of mascotting or body language and communication and sketch comedy and all that goes into it. Um, I think it's pretty competitive. I think the industry's changed over the years. Uh, Unfortunately, I feel like there's a trend of pulling back on the mascots. Uh, kind of boxing them in a little bit with a lot of rules um, about what you can and can't do. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of those things vary market to market. 
And I think the less that uh, individual leagues legislate, uh, the better, uh, the better for the fan experience. Um, you know, and I think uh, a lot of technology in the arenas, you see more and more of these giant video boards, which are cool at first, but I personally don't think everybody gets together to watch TV uh, in a live setting. They want to see it live. Uh, and I think sometimes uh, with the production and television, it could be overscripted and you lose a little bit of the magic of improv and mascots have gotten reeled back um, and uh, kind of handcuffed uh, to a degree, not completely, but uh, more so than say 10 years ago. Oh yeah, definitely. And so I, I feel like I, there's so much that I want to talk about with you, but yeah, <laughs> um, but I've only had a few mascots that have actually retired. So I just wanted to ask, you know, what was your story behind your retirement? Well, um, I came to a point where I'd been there 21 years. And uh, after you're, you're somewhere a long time, I think, uh, you know, it becomes uh, sometimes attractive for uh, the team to think about, uh, you know, moving on to an, another performer uh, and uh, one that's a little bit more affordable. I think also I had feelings of, uh, I have a family of five and uh, it's a very hard schedule because most of your work as a professional mascot is nights and weekends and you don't get to see your kids when you're working. They're at home and when they're at school, you're uh, at home. <laughs> So it's a ship's crossing the night. It's not an ideal position for a person with a five kids. Um, and then also, you know, I always kind of, you know, I think you get to a point in any career where if you're really super passionate about it, you crave ownership and you crave, you know, the ability to be the master of your own destiny and make your own decisions. And, uh, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit was always, I think, a big part of, uh, who I was and how I felt as clutch, uh, booking the school shows and uh, marketing the character and creating the brand and managing uh, web content and stuff like that. So uh, this has been a really fun process for me to do for myself now for something that I own and I'm passionate about with education in Houston. Uh, but also it gives me an opportunity to branch out and do some more of the things uh, that I enjoy, like brand building, speaking, you know, consulting, um, and some of my own projects that I get to have ownership over, which has been fun, scary, exhilarating, you know, a challenge all in one. Definitely. So you retired from clutch and I want to how long about how long was that break before you created and, you know, brought out Newton, your own Newton? Yeah, Newton, I started, you know, at first when I um, left the Rockets, I kind of wanted to switch gears completely and go uh, full board into public speaking and consulting and writing and uh, was going to kind of leave the sports entertainment and mascot world behind. But uh, I, I missed it. And, uh, you know, I think it's uh, what I didn't, uh, it didn't register at first was this has been in my life and my blood for, you know, 20, you know, six years at this point, since I was in high school, you know, since I was a kid. And, uh, you know, after about, I think seven months or so, 
I, I started to get the itch. I did some consulting for the Oklahoma City Thunder. They hired me to come in to speak to their mascot, train their mascot, and also train their entertainment teams. And uh, I think that kind of reminded me how much I enjoyed performing. And uh, that's kind of where, at the beginning of uh, March, it was Super Bowl weekend, uh, or maybe it was the beginning of February. Um, it was Super Bowl weekend, I was up there, and that's where I started to get the bug. And then I started to kick around ideas over the next month and uh, settled on the concept of a dragon because I know I wanted to market it to schools, elementary schools specifically. And, uh, you know, all the other characters I had in mind, you know, a bull, a dog, a bear, the dragon stood out because to me it's, a, you know, an imaginary character and it speaks kind of subtly to creativity and imagination and innovation and inventiveness. And uh, one of the things that sometimes schools have a tough time uh, teaching or at least measuring, you know, and a lot of teachers will tell you that, that, you know, uh, some of these kids are gifted and they're so gifted creatively, that they don't really have standardized tests that measure that. So that's kind of uh, why I set it on a dragon. And then, uh, you know, it sprung from there. I knew I wanted to have googly eyes. I knew I wanted to have glasses to, you know, insinuate the smarts uh, angle uh, of him and that I was marketing him to schools and trying to inspire youth uh, towards uh, valuing and focusing on their education. Uh, and then we just started adding things to him. I didn't, you know, I always wanted a mascot. I always thought that the two left feet concept was funny. So we turned both of his feet, at least outwardly looking, they look like they turn uh, like they're both left feet. And then on the bottom of the soles, they say left feet. I always liked the Philly fanatics, uh, blower that comes out of his snout. So I knew I wanted to do something there. And so we uh, did something that I thought, I think was a first uh, where both his nostrils flare and his uh, tongue flares. So it looks like he's shooting fire, red and orange fire out of his nostrils and mouth. Uh, we gave him a heart over his heart. It says education inside of it. We put a star on his tail that says test, which stands for the star test, which is the standardized testing in Texas. Um, he has squeaking armpits when he <laughs> opens, uh, puts his arms up and down. Uh, they squeak. There's little squeakers under there. Uh, nice big fat belly that's animated, and the tail is nice and animated and wags. Uh, the grass has come off. Um, so, yeah, I kind of wrote about two pages of notes, and then I've worked with an illustrator over the years many times on storybooks and kind of said, here's what I'm thinking, and then he brought it to the page, and then I partnered up with Street Characters, who brought it into real life. And I think from ideation, when I started jotting notes down, to when I actually got the costume delivered was about a five-week period, which is insanely quick. Yeah, um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Usually, you know, when you give a costume company finished artwork, they say 10 weeks. Uh, but we managed to cram it all in because we had a big event with Mascots for a Cure happening in Houston at the end of March at the Children's Hospital and a couple of the TV stations, and I wanted to be part of that and watch the character in conjunction with that, especially since uh, Mascots for a Cure and, and uh, Mascot U were coming to Houston this year. So it was kind of the perfect fit. And uh, Newton was born on April 1st, we say. April Fool's Day, but he's no fool. <laughs> and uh, we've already off to... Uh, about I think about twenty appearances so far. A couple of uh, grand openings at Nectar Juice Bars, 
fire pizza. We've done a whole bunch of school shows, uh, a couple community uh, shows like in front of City Hall. So it's been fun. We repelled off of a building already for the American Diabetes Association, which I remember you said earlier, you're afraid of heights. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually terrified of heights too. But uh, when I'm in costume, I'm less scared because quite frankly, I don't have the peripheral vision to get that feeling of vertigo and the, the perspective of, you know, the 360 view of how high I exactly am. And I can only see through the mouth. So it's just kind of more focused and uh, less scary. It should be more scary, but it, it feels less scary. Yeah. I just want to say that is amazing. Like I, I didn't even know that Newton could do all these things and stuff. So I, I just think that's amazing. And as a teacher, I just, I love that. I love mascots in education and at the library and in the community. And I'm also in parks and rec during the summer. So I just, I love what you're doing. Like, uh, I just wanted to tell you that. And um, I had to ask, I'm afraid to ask, but did you mean Mm -hmm. for Newton to kind of look like you uh, with the glasses and everything? You know what? People used to say the crutch was starting to look like me. You're the first person now that has said Newton's starting to look like me. I love it. We all kind of joke in the business that uh, we think our characters start to look like our, our, ourselves. But I think that's probably just a mental thing. I, mean, <laughs> I did not know. But, uh, probably just, the glasses. Yeah, it was the glasses. I had to do a double take because, I mean, I, I knew who you were and then because we're friends on Facebook. And then I saw the character and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, wait a minute. Is this? kind of like with the class, I don't know. I had to That's ask, funny. but <laughs> That's um, funny. so how did you get involved with mascots for a cure? Because you mentioned that, and Man, I, I, hope I really I, want to I talk hope about I don't that. have dragon breath. <laughs> <laughs> um, mascots for a cure was started by who's um, now a friend of mine, but a guy I did not know at the time, Derek Zinzer, out of. Um, uh, Portland, Oregon, his father unfortunately passed from cancer, and Derek's a huge mascot fan. Uh, he's not actually a mascot himself by trade, but he got hooked up with one of my good friends, who is the mascot for the um, Mascot Hall of Fame, Reggie, uh, the Purple Party Dude, who was played by uh, Chris Bruce, who was a Udy twice after me. So uh, there was a guy after me named Ryan Hughes who went on to the Eagles, for 12 years, and then after Ryan finished his UD at Delaware, Chris Bruce was UD. And, uh, you know, I've kind of been friends with most of the UDs and go back and teach camps there and keep up with the program. And so Chris, you know, kind of put me in touch, and they flew me out to Portland two years ago to do a, uh, um, a deal at a children's hospital, you know, kind of right when the beginning of this organization was starting to form. And then they started this yearly thing with the world record. And then they went on this 36 city tour this year that I helped them support and promote and hosted them when they were in through Houston, you know, and Derek's uh, passion and Chris's passion for the project uh, is kind of contagious. So uh, I've always been involved in a lot of different nonprofit efforts. The biggest of which has been organ donation awareness. Uh, my dad had a double lung transplant back in 012 uh, so I serve on the, the board of the Oregon Procurement Organization in Houston, Life Gift, and I've served in leadership roles at the United Way and 
several other boards, the Queensbury Theater, to name a few. So this was a you know, nonprofit world is something I've always been passionate about and helping other people. And I mean, there's, you know, not to get better cause than helping kids that have cancer and are trying to fight for their lives. So uh, that's how I got hooked up with those guys. And it's been a great experience. Yeah, no, definitely. I love that cause. I work with students with special needs and I know it's different, but it's also like just being involved with kids that have challenges in their lives. Like that's, that's something that I want to be a part of. Like, I don't know, that's something that it's near and dear to my heart, you know? So I think we get as much out of it as they do, frankly. I mean, because at the end of the day, they're just kids and they see themselves as such and they have that innocence about them. And that's inspiring. You know, when some of them are literally dying of terminal illnesses or, you know, going to be severely handicapped for the rest of their life, but they still, you know, look at life positively. And I think that that's inspirational to us. Sometimes we get, uh, you know, caught up in the um, stuff that's going wrong in our lives and not uh, all the blessings that we're experiencing and enjoying that not everybody has. Oh yeah, definitely. That's that's why I do what I do, and I can't imagine doing anything else because they they just the smiles that they have, you know, the positivity that they have, you know, going into work every day. It's it's amazing, like, <laughs> and mm-hmm. really does put a, you just in a different mindset. So yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Can you describe to the listeners? I mean, we're not live or anything, but right. I have a lot of podcasters that that listen, so maybe they're not familiar with the the mask, mascot events and stuff. So, can you describe mascot you and what? Yeah, so uh, I've been working quite a bit. I, don't know, I think I got about four or five hundred hours into this weekend now. I started uh, working with street characters uh, and mascots from sure, uh to put on this event, which is a three day mascot event. And it's multifaceted. So uh, I started working on it back in October. But uh, next Thursday night, the 22nd of June, um, mascots from around the country are arriving in Houston from all levels. From uh, We have our youngest attendee is an eight-year-old from South Dakota who's coming down that has played many mascots for some of the pro teams around the country, as well as uh, his school system that he's in uh, at the middle school, even though he's still, I think, in elementary school, all the way up to uh, seasoned professionals that have been doing this for 25 years and everywhere in between, minor league mascots, high school mascots, college mascots, corporate mascots, uh, some of whom, you know, are older guys uh, or women that are wearing, you know, Chick-fil-A cows or Chuck E. Cheese costumes, uh, you know, or sweet tomato costumes, you know, all the corporate mascots out there. So uh, they all get in uh, next Thursday, and we've got some uh, events set up for them, uh, mixers Thursday night, and then Mascot U starts 9.30 a.m. on uh, Friday, the 23rd, and we have meetings uh, all day on uh, Friday and Saturday. Um, Some are breakout sessions amongst the different groups and the different levels and brainstorming sessions where they'll write material and new material here. Others, depending on the level, will be instructional, you know, some of the do's and the don'ts for the beginners uh, and, you know, work, working on some of the um, mime and uh, expressiveness with body language, some of the basics. And uh, some of the other stuff will be, you know, pretty advanced sketch writing and video skit, uh, you know, script writing. Uh, then we have presenters. We have uh, the original Philly fanatic, Dave Raymond, 
who's been a friend of mine since my Delaware days because he went there as well. But he was the fanatic uh, from 1978 when they created it till 1993. He's speaking. Um, Rob Whitehall, former San Antonio Coyote mascot for 14 years, who had a pretty successful TEDx talk in San Antonio, was presenting. Miguel Vargas, who's been a mascot for 20 years and is now the game operations director and presentation director for the Carolina Panthers NFL team. And then we got Mark Taylor, who uh, was Seattle Sonic Squatch, uh, and then moved to uh, Oklahoma City with the, the team and became Thunder. Uh, I mean, Rumble. I'm sorry, Rumble for the Thunder. And uh, he's now in business for himself as an entrepreneur. He owns a bunch of mini tramp, uh, mini, uh, the, not mini, but uh, trampoline parks around the uh, country called Elevation. And, uh, you know, each guy's going to different presentation and, uh, we're excited for it. And then um, we got different events each night. You know, one night we're taking everybody out to a steak dinner. Another night we're going top golf. And then the whole weekend ends off um, Sunday. We have a breakfast with the mascots that gives all the mascots an opportunity to use a lot of the skills and the things that they've learned. And it's benefiting the Sunshine Kids. So it's an open ticketed event that anybody can buy a ticket to. Uh, it's going to charity and helping charity. Um, helping finance this event uh, and for every ticket we sell we're sending one sunshine kid to the event as well so it's a buy one give one situation and they can do that at my site at robertbogan.com we also have two uh, packages that include all the events throughout the weekend with the mascots kind of like the fantasy mascot package uh, but the breakfast will be cool. It's a two-hour breakfast, Sunday the 25th at Queensbury Theater and City Center in Houston, Texas. And it's a mix and mingle type event where the mascots all just kind of casually mix and mingle for pictures, hugs, high fives. Uh, I call it the, the four H's in mascot. Hugs, high fives, high jumps, and hilarity. And uh, then uh, we do the world record attempt after that, the breakfast ends at noon. Yeah, the breakfast ends at 10.30, and at noon we do the world record attempt uh, for the third consecutive year. We missed it last year by 10. Oh, my uh, gosh. The record was set in Tokyo, Japan in 2013 at 120, or 134, and last year we had 124. So we're still pushing hard to see what that record is going to look like this year. And then that night we have a sketch show with the pros which is put on just by the professional mascots that are going to be in town, about 15 of them. Uh, and it will be a two-hour show with a half-hour intermission, and the pros will mix and mingle for pictures with the audience during the intermission. Uh, but it will be video skits and live skits, uh, compilation kind of the best day uh, everybody that's in attendance. And we have mascots uh, that show that are from all five major sports, uh, NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, uh, and MLS. So uh, that'll be pretty neat. And then uh, and most everybody leaves Monday morning, but I think we're going to have about seven to ten mascots left. They're going to make a visit to the Texas Children's Hospital to visit kids that are pretty sick. Uh, so it's, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a lot. We've got a lot of things going on. It's a conference slash camp slash convention, along with two performances that are tied into a charity, along with a world record attempt. Uh, tied into a charity. So whether you want to be a spectator or a performer, there's something for everybody to participate in. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a lot of work that a lot of time and effort goes into that. So, mm -hmm. wow. 
I'm just going to wind down now. I just want to go over and I'll post the links. Also, I just want to mention that I'll post the links to everything in the show notes. Cool. Yeah, and I'll share it. So what has been your biggest struggle while mascotting? I think as a mascot, you have a lot of bosses. And uh, it's hard to keep a lot of bosses all happy because everybody has a slightly different opinion. Um, You know, you you answer to kind of everybody. You're a performer there and uh, you have the entire audience to answer to. And anytime you do something really funny, it's almost always attached uh, to a few complaints because whatever made it really funny was to this or to that for a few people out there uh, in the audience. Not that you're ever trying to offend anyone, but if somebody's not offended, it probably wasn't funny out of a group of 18,000 people. Uh, So, you know, how complaints are handled can be a challenge. I think uh, sometimes some organizations tend to be very risk averse. And if one person complains, uh, they say, oh, we can't do this anymore, which kind of spoils the fun for everybody else. If, you know, 10,000 people laughed and thought it was funny and humorous and, you know, lighthearted, and we stopped doing something because of one complaint or one letter, that's a shame because you can't really manage your business to the, the one complainer. Um, so that can be a challenge. And also internally, everybody has a little bit of a different, uh, you know, comfort level, uh, or, uh, you know, what they think is appropriate or not. And, uh, being a, a comedian, which I believe mascots are in a corporate environment is tough. <laughs> There's a, you know, some people are more conservative with what they feel is appropriate. Some people are more aggressive, uh, you know, and you never want to just be dull or vanilla or bland or middle of the road. Uh, in a nutshell, I would say the riskiest thing to do in mascotting or any entertainment is to play it safe in the short run all the time. Cause if you're always playing it safe, you're going to become irrelevant and not interesting and not entertaining and not funny and not valuable. Uh, so that can be a tough balance to find, uh, especially if you're really passionate about it. Uh, not everybody's super passionate about their jobs, but I think this is a job that if you're not passionate about, you're not going to be good at. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and what is the best part about mascotting? Uh, making people laugh. That's easy. <laughs> uh, same reason I got into it when I was asked to do it when I was 19 years old. There's no better feeling than uh, making a massive amount of people laugh all at the same time, especially in a live setting where you get to hear it and enjoy it. It's not like it's a movie or television where, you know, you don't hear the reactions of your, your viewers. Um, you're doing it in a live set and setting and uh, making people laugh is the most euphoric feeling in the world. Nothing beats it. And do you have any shout outs? I mean, or to mascots that inspire you? I mean, you mentioned uh, Dave Raymond and just any shout outs to anyone. Sure. <laughs> Let's see, Dave Raymond, um, and then Jerry Burrell, the original Turbo. Um, I've always been a fan of John uh, Abzi as the Bear, Ken Solomon as Rocky, Mark Taylor, um, Ray Henderson, uh, a lot of these guys. Everybody, you know, Jack Dellert, uh, you know, uh, Dave Warner at the uh, Timberwolves. Um, so many of these guys have uh, different styles. And uh, are just uh, amazing 
performers and they bring all something a little different to the table. And you, when you get to know them well, they, they inspire you in different ways, you know, and you can say, ah, well, if you want to do a wrestling skit, then you got to talk to Eric McMahon in Memphis because he's the king of doing wrestling skits and has done it every which way. If you want to talk about, uh, you know, working the crowd and improv and different bits you can do without planning them and just ways to interact, you got to talk to Ken Solomon in, in, uh, you know, in Denver. If you want to do some kind of crazy stunt that uh, shouldn't, you know, be anywhere but the cartoons, you got to talk to John Abzi in Utah. So, you know, a lot of these guys, there's a, we call it the fraternity, uh, have inspired each other and we've collectively written a lot of uh, stuff together over the years and shared our material. So there's a, a lot of people that have inspired me. Uh, I would shout out to all the Houstonians that have helped and supported me over the years. You know, we've done over 6,000 appearances in the last 21 years. And uh, those are people that spent their hard-earned money to have me come out and entertain at their events or schools. You know, one of the biggest compliments I was paid was a fourth grade teacher came up to me at the end of one of my shows and said, oh, that show, that's great. Even better the second time. And I said, oh, were you at a show last year? And she said, no, I saw it when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> so that made me feel old, but but good. No, oh, yeah, I, I get that. And it's it's the best feeling in the world when someone that you've helped out, like, you know, in your younger days, I mean, uh, I've been coaching for over 15 years. So I've had a few runners come back to me and tell me, you know, oh, I went here for school and I ran here. And it's really a great feeling, you know, that oh, you yeah. help someone out. Awesome, like, isn't it? You don't know. You don't know how <laughs> until they yeah. come back and tell you. So, yeah, I would uh, ask your, your listeners um, to uh, visit my website. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to build my business. Uh, I do speaking gigs all over the city and all over the country uh, have spoken for the NCAA and Sam Houston race park and uh, other kinds of companies and consulting. I create characters, uh, mascot costumes for, uh, and characters from scratch for corporations, schools, teams uh, do mascot training. Uh, we got Newton still available uh, for any type of show uh, around the country or in Houston. So you can see it all at uh, robertbodwin.com. Uh, or newtonthedragon.com. And uh, please uh, follow me and connect with me on Facebook as well. I'm most active on Facebook, social media-wise. Yes, and I just want to thank you. Uh, I will post your website in, in the show notes, and I want to thank you for your time and for sharing your stories. And it's just, an ama- you do an amazing amount of work, and I just want to encourage you to keep keep going. It's You're doing great work, you know, with the community and with the schools and, and with everything for Mascots for a Cure. I, I really appreciate that um, as an educator and as someone who's in like Parks and Rec and with the, with my local community. Uh, I really appreciate people like you um, doing great work. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's nice to hear. Thank you, Denise. And, and thanks for doing this. <laughs> it's always nice to share the craft. Awesome. Thank you. And that was it for episode number 28. I'm just waiting for that Canadian mascot. I don't know. I sent out like four mascot mails last week to Canadian mascots. Hopefully they get my mail. Maybe someone will want to give me an interview. But I did get a response from Mrs. Met. That was pretty cool. She sent me a, a little baseball card and everything. And a handwritten note, yo. That I appreciate that. That I mean that takes time and effort. Like nice handwriting and everything. Sorry, my mascot mail is all sloppy. <laughs> And the fuzzy green guy. I don't know his name. I just know him as the fuzzy green dude. 
I know he has a name though. I can't think of it right now. Oh, I should probably really write that down. <laughs> From the White Sox. Yeah, he said that he was going to listen. Yeah, he hit me up on Instagram. So that was pretty cool. I just got back from Bernie's birthday party. Oh my gosh, you guys. The IE, it was 104. I'm pretty sure it was 105. But I Snapchat's at 104. But my phone's at 105. Whatever. It's debatable. <laughs> it was hot, yo. It was super hot. And Bernie was there. The yelling mascot. He's so cool. Like, I mean, he doesn't just yell. He just makes like weird noise. Like, like oh my gosh. So funny. And... <laughs> Him and Slick was there, <laughs> the the regular dude. Bernie's the red thing. I don't know what he is. I tried to look it up online, but I don't know what he is. He's just like a, a green, uh, uh, sorry, I'm thinking of thunder. <laughs> He's a big red thing. <laughs> and Slick's like a, a human mascot, I guess. A mascot costume, but he's like a human, so. And Thunder was there, and Mini Thunder. Oh, shout out to Mini Thunder. I don't know why. If that was like a kid, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's a kid, but I was like, oh my gosh, it's so hot. He wasn't out there the whole time. I feel like they were giving him breaks, <laughs> but I was seriously worried about that kid, man. <laughs> yeah, I should probably reach out. I really want to get the inside scoop on how did you even, how did you get a Mini Thunder, and how do you, or a Mini Mascot, and how do you take care of those those kids? That's, that's crazy. And... <laughs> Aftershock 2.4. That's what his jersey said. I thought that was funny. He was there. Thank you to Aftershock 4. I think that was his name. Oh, I'm so bad with names. There's too many. There's too many now. Yeah, he was there. And I was like, hey, uh, when are the mascots going to be out? Because <laughs> it was so hot. I just wanted to see. I was so, felt so bad. I, I just dragged my producer over there. And I felt so bad for him. Shout out to Rod, my producer. Oh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I really appreciate you. <laughs> Aftershock was trying to uh, non-verbally communicate with me. And I am a, I would be a horrible handler, you guys. I got, I got it, but I forgot. He was trying to tell me the innings and stuff. I forgot that mascots only have four fingers. So I was like, oh yeah, the, the sixth inning. And he was like, no, like, look at my hand. I only have like four fingers, like, oh, fifth inning. Okay. And then he was like trying to tell me like bottom or half or I don't know, because there was two stories and it was crazy. <laughs> oh, Stryker was there too from the Ontario Fury, which is an indoor soccer team where Kingston is from, uh, same stadium. But I didn't see him. So I don't know. I, I don't know where he went, but I was sad because I, I tried to get an interview from him too, but because of certain reasons. I don't know what happened there, but shout out to any of those mascots. If you want to be on the show, <laughs> it's contact at mascotdiaries.com. Yeah, it was just a ton of fun. It was super hot. I just, I wanted to see some mascots. I saw all the mascot stuff that was going on with Mascots for a Cure in Houston and Mascot U. And it looks so fun. And I was like, oh man, I was so sad I didn't get to go. And I saw the mascot games. Like I was like on Twitter and I was just on my phone just like, Man, looking at my dogs, like, ugh, why? Why can't I go on vacation? <laughs> because of you. It's okay. My dogs are my family. Anyways, so I just had to get in on the mascot action. So um, it was super hot, but Bernie was super cool. I almost missed Bernie, but I, at the end, I, I saw the announcer guy. I think his name's Eris. And then Slick just standing there. I was like, uh, do you guys know where Bernie is? If I could snap a quick picture. And they saw like my big mascot ring, thanks to Engineer to Entertainer. Like, yeah, yeah, we're here. Like, we'll bring him over. And they brought him over and he was taking pictures of the ring. He was, Bernie was super nice, super cool. And I'll post some videos of him making <laughs> noises. Oh, yeah. I even got to participate in one of the little activities that they have in between the, the innings. I don't know where when it was, but I, I don't pay attention anyways. <laughs> 
it's baseball. Me and my producer were like rolling the tires through the, the cones and I was trying to cheat and I was like trying to push his tire like out of his hands. It was so funny. So it, I don't know. I didn't get any video because usually my producer is my camera guy. But since we were both participating, like, oh, yeah, and I totally lost, even though I tried to cheat. I mean, that's what I get for trying to cheat. But <laughs> we got an oil change, but I don't think we'll ever use it. Oh, I should have given it away, but it was in my purse the whole time. I should have just given it to someone over there. <laughs> it's too far. Anyways, um, this is probably long enough. So follow me on Mascot Diaries on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Oh, yeah. And next two episodes are... I'm so sorry if you got bumped. I was just trying to get these two episodes as close as I could to the actual event. Uh, Mascot U was this past weekend. Next two are in the order. Like from here on out, it's just going to be the order that they come in. I, I don't think anything else is coming up where I would need to bump any episodes. So thank you. Thank you for listening so much and take care.